0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Have you ever had anybody ask you the question, well, who is this person? Who is Bob? Or who is Joe? Or who is Sam? Or who is Susie? And and when that question is asked, the answer is usually more complex than we would think. For example, in the Bible, Herod the Great, was he the brilliant genius that built the temple complex and built cities and buildings? Or was he a narcissistic killer who killed children and killed his brother so that he could securely rule the throne? Who is Ted Bundy? On one hand, Ted Bundy is a friendly helpful person. on the other hand he's also a serial killer so who we are generally is kind of complex isn't it even when we ask ourselves to describe ourselves it may depend on what day we are doing the describing well throughout the ages people have asked the question who is Jesus uh, remember Jesus even asked his apostles in uh, Matthew chapter 16Who do men say that I am and and Peter said, Well, some say that, or the apostle said, Some say you are Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, But who am I? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, Son of the living God. Who is Jesus has been asked quite often. Do you remember after the apostles were on the boat in the storm and they thought they were going to die and Jesus was asleep in the back and Peter says, Jesus, do you even care that we're about to drown? And Jesus says, peace be still. And the apostles asked among themselves, what kind of man is this? Who is this man? So for the next two weeks, we're going to look at two sides of the Savior. Uh, two different sides, and there's more than that. We could, if we want to ask the question, who is Jesus? We could preach from now to the end of the year, uh, looking at who Jesus is, but I just want to kind of do a 30,000 foot flyover as to who is Jesus, we're going to look at one side of Jesus this morning. We're going to go what I call into the heart of Jesus. Uh, there was a song we sang when I, I grew up called Into the Heart of Jesus, and it, It starts out, into the heart of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go, trying to know the reasons why he should love me so. And it's important for us to get into the heart of Jesus, and and I want us to do that this morning. And then next week we're going to look at the other side of the Savior, a side of Jesus that even as Christians sometimes we don't want to embrace because it's not necessarily politically correct, But certainly the world doesn't want to embrace the kind of Savior, the kind of Jesus we're going to look at next week. But today, Matthew 11, into the heart of Jesus. So turn with me there and let's look into the heart of Jesus this morning. Matthew 11, beginning at verse 25. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, And you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and have revealed them into babes or into little children. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows my Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor, A few things about this passage this morning about knowing Jesus and following Jesus and specifically in a minute we're going to look into the heart of Jesus. But number one, to know Jesus we must become like little children, verse 25 tells us. Jesus had a special place for little children. There was something about little children that that made Jesus' heart happy. And even today on Facebook, Somebody put pictures of their kid. And it just makes my heart happy to see a a child happy and playing on the great playground, playing ball. And even last night we were watching TV and uh, a commercial, a diapers commercial came on. And and this little little happy little baby was on TV. And Marie's mom says, oh, look at that little baby. There's something about little children that that just makes our heart happy. If, If little kids don't make your heart happy, uh, I don't know what would, but when we look at the idea of children, what does Jesus mean when he says we must become like children to follow him or to have his message revealed to us so that we can understand him? First of all, I got to thinking about kids. Children are trusting, aren't they? Uh, when, when I used to come home, Leander liked to get on the bed, and she would get right where the top of the bed is, and she'd run all the way to the end, and to the end and jump out in my arms and say, catch me, Daddy. It never dawned on her that I might drop her. She just trusted me. She just knew that, that Dad and Mom would take care of her, and that's what children ought to know, and unfortunately, a lot of children don't know that, and, and that's a shame, but, but children are basically trusting people. That's why we have to remind our children and grandkids, don't go pet that dog, you don't know him. Don't talk to strangers. Stay where I can see you. Growing up, my mom always said we had to stay within shouting distance of the house. That was kind of, she didn't necessarily put boundaries around us, but she said stay within shouting distance. One time when my brother and I were older, we, got to explore, we had woods in behind our house, and we started exploring these woods. And anyway, we said, I wonder where these woods come out. And I said, I don't know. Let's go find out. It's my brother's fault. He was bad. He, he taught me into doing that. But, but we started traveling. Where do these woods go? And we got one. When, when the woods finally came out, we were like a mile and a half from the house. And I told my brother, I said, I think we're past shouting distance at this point. But mom trusted us. And the children were trusting. We trust our parents to do the right thing. You know what else? Children are impressionable. It's easy to make an impression on a child. Uh, You know, you can tell a child a story, and boy, their eyes get all big, and and they just take it as the truth because they're impressionable. And i tell you what else they're impressionable about. My sister one time, she was bad too. Uh, I was an angel, of course. But, But my sister was bad too. If you believe that, we need to talk about some property I've got for sale after church. But anyway, my sister one time just said an ugly word. And my mom said, look right at my dad. said, I wonder where she got that. We pick up from our parents, don't we? We pick up from our grandparents. Children are impressionable. That's why it's so important to start them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord at a young age. Because they are so impressionable. And they're teachable. Kids have a mind like a sponge. When when Leander was little and there was something on the computer I didn't know how to do, I say, Leander, do you know how to do this? And she click, 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 click. And she'd have it. Never took a computer class, but she could do stuff on the computer, even today, on my smartphone. And it's way smarter than I am. I'll say, how do I do this? And she looks at me like she wants to pat me on the head, you know, and, and, and take, but she, she they, they learn. They, they learn quickly. Young children can learn languages Uh, they become bilingual very quickly if they're exposed to different languages. And just to say this, my grandfather, he never went past third grade in school, but when he applied to DuPont, he passed a high school math test to get uh, placed into DuPont. He had to take some remedial classes, but he did well enough on it. And I said, well, Pa, I said, how in the world did you pass that only going to third grade? He said, the only thing I can figure is that we were exposed to all of it in the one-room classroom they were in. They had kids there from kindergarten to seventh, eighth, ninth grade, so they got exposed to all of it. And and so even though it wasn't geared toward him, he was impressionable. Those of you who work in the school system, would you vouch that kids are teachable? They they learn, they watch, they see uh, what's going on around them. And something else, kids are dependent, aren't they? Children don't, sit around worried about where their next meal is going to come from, most generally. They don't worry about if they're going to have clothes to wear. They just know those big people take care of them. That, That mom and dad will give me food, mom and dad will take care of my clothes. They don't worry about if the house note's going to be paid. They don't worry if they're going to have a place to live. They don't have to worry about if they're going to have a car to ride in. The adults take care of that. They're dependent on the adults. Now let's switch this a little bit. And let's put ourselves in the place of children. Have we learned to trust Jesus? If we're going to follow him, we've got to learn to trust. Are we impressionable and teachable about the right things? Who makes an impression on you today? I'm so afraid that our world, we hold up the wrong people as role models. Uh, We look at actors and actresses and athletes and And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's a noble profession. But are we more impressed with a star football player? Or are we more impressed with a godly neighbor that lives next to us? Are we more impressed with what Tom Cruise and... uh, Do we wonder more about what Tom Cruise and Bill Gates think about something than we are about what does Jesus say about something? Do we let Jesus make the impression on us that other things make on little children? Are we dependent on Jesus? Jesus says that if we're going to have his his word and his world revealed to us, we've got to become like little children. But you know what else? To know Jesus, in verse 26 and 27, we must know the Father. Jesus says there in verse 26, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. Jesus says, I have the Father's authority. If we're going to know Jesus, we also have to know the Father and vice versa. If we know the Father, we're going to see Jesus. Do you remember when Philip came to Jesus and said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, don't you, have you spent so much time with me? Don't you realize that when you see me, you've seen the Father? And I talked about last week, and, and those of you who have gotten a little bit older understand this, the more that I open my mouth as I get older, the more my Father comes out. And I even look more like my Father in the mirror. Sometimes I do a double take with just an expression I have or whatever. It, it, I look more like my dad. And as Christians, to know Jesus, you got to know the Father. We, we ought to be looking more like him. And, and not only should we look and see Jesus, people ought to be able to look at us and see Jesus. Now, I know sometimes people look at me and see my Father. The big question is, do they look at me and see Jesus? Because Jesus says, to know me is to know the Father. To know the Father is to know me. You can't know one Without the other. So to know Jesus we must become like children. To know Jesus we must know the Father. Also to know Jesus. Verse 26. We must be called. Or verse 20, uh, 27 rather. We must be called. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son. Except my Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son reveals. To him. Or chooses to reveal him. If we're going to know Jesus. We have to be called. There's another scripture that says. No one comes to me. Unless they're first called. By the father. But I want to look at a general sense of calling. This morning. Because in a way Jesus is calling everybody. Who does he call? Verse 28. Come unto me. All you. All. You who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus calls the tired and the burdened. I've got a question for you this morning. Are you tired? Are you worn out? This past year has been some kind of year, have not it? With COVID and quarantines and masks, and the murder hornets, you remember them? They didn't last long, but they were here for a second. Now that we've come out of the COVID pandemic, people are still afraid and frightened. The cost of everything is skyrocketing. We live in a crazy world, and and if you watch the news and if you get on social media and if you let that get to you, it will make you tired. You ever just get tired of hearing the same old things? You turn on the news and somebody's running their mouth about this or running their mouth, and it's always the same thing. And you just say, you want to say, I'm I'm tired. I'm worn out. Jesus says, if you're tired and worn out, come to me. He says that I will give you. It takes a sign of maturity, and it is a sign of maturity, to understand and recognize when we need rest. It's hard to get a little child to stop and take a nap, isn't it? They don't want to. They'll fight you. I think they're afraid they're going to miss something. Now, as I get older, I'm like, please let me take a nap. But there's a lot of us that are so busy and going all the time that we need to learn to tell ourselves it's okay to stop and rest. Matter of fact, our health depends upon us getting rest. You might be able to go and go, but there's going to be a time when that battery runs out. And when it does, you're going to crash. And you may crash physically and mentally. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you watch commercials on TV, those My Pillow commercials, <laughs> this pillow will give you the perfect rest. This mattress, it's got numbers for you and your wife. You might be a six, and she's a 75, and, and this mattress will help you get rest. <laughs> They say, play white noise, and that'll help you get rest. Turn off this, and it'll help you get rest. But you know what I find? I can do all of that stuff, and I still sometimes have trouble finding rest. The only way we are going to find rest, true rest, is in Jesus Christ. And specifically in Jesus' day, Jesus is talking to those Jews. Who have been trying to keep not only the written law But the oral traditions of the the elders They had 600 and something laws And Jesus is saying Are you tired of keeping all those laws Come unto me You know why Jesus appealed to so many people His message It's different It's a message of good news Jesus didn't come So many rabbis Wanted to make different rules and all we've kept this rule wrong we need to be doing it this way. Jesus says, don't worry about all the rules. He said love God and love each other. And everything else will take care of itself. And I'm paraphrasing that. But it, that's the truth. All the other laws and all the other rules they have to do with loving God or loving our neighbors, getting along with God or getting along with each other. To follow Jesus, We have to be called. And if you're tired and you're weary, he's calling you this morning. And he wants to give you rest. Now verse 29 is a little bit startling. Verse 29, notice what he says. Verse 28 for context. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Then in verse 29 he says, Take my yoke. Upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle, or I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, That's sometimes uh, when I was younger, the only Bible we had was King James, so all the verses I've got memorized are King James, and uh, sometimes I'll preach out of the New King James, so sometimes I'll read in my memorization, my, my King James gets in the way of the New King James the different adverbs and adjectives that are used, with meek and gentle and lowly and humble, uh, but they mean the same thing. But what is interesting here, that it sounds like a paradox, Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest, but you need to take my yoke. What do you think of when you think of yoke? Work, right? We think of oxen. What do oxen and livestock do in in yoke, they work, right? They don't. You don't put them in yoke and say, "Okay, y'all lay down and take a nap." They put it, put them in yoke to work. We think that to wear a yoke means to work, but did you know something? Did you know that before you came to Jesus Christ, you were already wearing a yoke? You were wearing the yoke of sin. You were enslaved to sin. Sin in its ways, sin in its habits, sin in its addictions, sin in its consequences. You were in yoke with it. You were enslaved with it. Jesus is saying, you need to dump that yoke and take my yoke. I've got news for you. If you were to put a cow on one side of a yoke and a and you got on the other side of the yoke, and somebody behind you says, "Go," I promise, when that oxen takes off, you're going to be working, brother. There's going to be nothing about that yoke that's not work. Jesus says, take my yoke. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus invites us to take off the yoke of sin. And this morning, if you're a Christian, Jesus invites you to take off the yoke of good works. Quit trying to be holy on your own. Keep trying to Quit trying to do so much good works So that God will love you and God will will favor you and God will bless you. Let me tell you what, God's already loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God showed you how much he loved you when he put his son and sacrificed his son on the cross. Jesus has shown you how much he loves you when he died for you. Put off the yoke of good works. Put on Jesus's Yes, you may give up your freedom, but you know what? When you put on the yoke of Jesus, you gain freedom in Jesus. You may give up your direction, but when you put on the yoke of Jesus, you change directions and you gain a purpose. When you give up your yoke, you might give up your identity, but you know what? When you put on the yoke of Christ, you gain a community. There's just so much that Jesus gives us when we take his yoke. And you know, if you take oxen out of yoke, all you got is a herd of cows. And they don't do much except eat grass. But if you put them together in yoke, a lot of good things are going to happen. You can get a lot done with a team of oxen. It's amazing when, and it's not exactly a yoke, but it's the same principle. You watch these old westerns and how powerful those stagecoaches with those horses, all of them together with those reins and bits, and off they would go. It's amazing what they could do together. One horse couldn't pull that stagecoach. But all those horses working together in yoke, if we could use that term, they could pull that stagecoach wherever. The same is true with us. Now there's a lot of us who work. We get up, we go to work, we work hard, we come home, we cut grass, we weed eat, we wash dishes, we wash clothes. We do all of these kinds of things. But if you don't have productivity, your work's not going to do anything. Have you ever known somebody that worked themselves to death but never accomplished anything? They just won from this to that, and they're going going all the time. Mike, I bet you've had people that work for you that way. They, they, they're they, busy all the time, but they don't accomplish anything. They're not productive. You know what labor without productivity brings? It brings tiredness. You, you're wore out. You get to the end of the day, you say, I've had enough. Yesterday, Marie and I, we had I don't know why we picked the hottest day, waited to pick the hottest day of the summer to do this, but we, we had some trees up by the, the road that had a bunch of sucker trees with them, so we decided that it was time for us to go to war against those sucker trees. And so we, we took the lopers and loped them down and carried them and dumped all the trash off and Marie, we eat it up around everything, and I mowed up, and it, it looked pretty, let me tell you what, when we got done last night, I was tired fact, I was torn. <laughs> Just like there's a difference in hungry and hungry, there's a difference in tired and torn. I was torn. But you know what? This morning as I drove out of the driveway and I saw how nice that looked, I was happy. So, wow, that it, it was, you see, tiredness without productivity brings, or, or labor without productivity brings tiredness. Labor with productivity brings rest. And I was tired last night, but I was able to rest because we accomplished something. What about you? Are you looking for rest? Bring this back to spiritual things. There are so many of us who are tired spiritually. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we pray, we do all these good things. And those are good things we need to do that. But when we do that to try to find fulfillment in Jesus, that's just like the person that works without accomplishing anything. Jesus invites you to come into yoke with him and find rest. Also to know Jesus, we must trust his heart. And this is where we get in the heart of Jesus, Of all the words Jesus could have used to describe his heart, look how Jesus, Jesus, who are you? Jesus says in verse 28, or verse 29, rather, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle or meek, it it means power under control. Meek does not mean weak. Sometimes we think of weak, uh, meek people as these just little wimpy guys that uh, you, you know, the little, the little nerd that everybody picks on. That's not meekness. Meekness is power under control. When Jesus says He is meek, He's not giving up any of His power. He's just saying, My power is harnessed under the authority of God. It's just like a horse. Those of you that are into horses. When you put a saddle and a bit and a rein and a horse, that horse is just as strong without that, right? But when you put the bit in his mouth and take the reins, it's power under control. You're controlling that horse to go where you want him to go. But I, I got news for you. Should that horse decide he wants to take off on his own, he can do it. One of the first times I horseback rode was in the Smokies on one of those trails in the Smokies, and I said, "I'm a little bit nervous. I've never been on a horse before." And the guy says, "These horses, you can get lost all from the rest of us, and they've been on these trails so long, they'll just walk around the trail. They'll all they'll come right back. They they won't they won't go fast. Matter of fact, you could probably take a nap on them if you wanted to." I said, "Okay, I could do this." So I'm on this horse and. There we are in the Smoky Mountains, and I'm looking at uh, the green trees. I'm listening to the birds, and listening, and I'm thinking about the Indians and the cowboys on horses, and, well, there I am, and all of a sudden, a snake crawled in front of my horse. And that meek horse took off running up the mountain as hard as he could go. <laughs> and I've got both arms just kind of, and the, the trail guy's going, hold on, hold on. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do? Jump off? <laughs> that horse is just as powerful as he's always been. It was just under control. Jesus says, I am meek. He's just now said, I'm under the authority of the Father. Now, we'll talk a little bit next week. This same Jesus who's meek turned over the money tables, right? This same Jesus who was meek told the Scribes and Pharisees, they're just like their father, the devil. He he pulled no punches. Folks don't want to accept that Jesus. They they like the meek and lowly Jesus. And it's important for us to say, Jesus was meek. He says, I am meek. And he says, I am lowly. That word lowly means low to the ground. It's humble. Jesus says, I am meek. And of all people, this is the Son of God, y'all. The creator of the universe. God Almighty. And he humbled himself to become a human. And not only did he become a human, he became a servant. And not only did he become a servant, he became a sacrifice. He is humble. He is meek. He is gentle. And you know what he says? Take my yoke and learn from me. The more meekly and humbly we take the yoke of Jesus, the more we can learn from him. Until we humble ourselves and admit we don't have the answers, Jesus can't teach us anything. Until we humble ourselves and we say, I don't know, Jesus, teach me. Show me. Let me get into your word let me find out. Let me pray let me get close to the Lord. The more we can find true rest. Jesus can't give us rest till we humble ourselves to his yoke. Because we're trying to get there some other kind of way. And it's futility. That's the heart of Jesus, meek and lowly. That's the side of Jesus we're going to look at today. But as we wrap up, what about my heart? While it matters what the heart of Jesus is what matters to me is what is my heart like am I broken are you broken have we allowed Christ to put his yoke upon us or are we still fighting we talked about it in our Sunday school lesson this morning the ultimate question of life is is God on the throne of your life or are you On the throne of your life. Somebody's the God of your life. It's either God. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or it's yourself. There are no other choices. Next week we're going to get into that a little bit further. So am I broken? Am I humble? When we look at our world. Our world is. Full of chaos. Outside of the yoke of Jesus Christ is uselessness and chaos. People are trying to find rest. People are trying to accomplish things. But ultimately, outside of being in yoke with Jesus, it's going to be unfulfilling. But I started in the restaurant business more than anything else. I wanted to be a manager. I said, I can't wait till I get my own store. When I get my own store, I'm going to do this. You know what happened when I got my own store? About two weeks in, I'm like, what in the world have I gotten into? This isn't nearly what I, it does I thought I'd be happy when I got my own store. I said, boy, I can't wait to make the money my general manager's making, and I I got to be general manager, I was making the money he was making, and I still wasn't happy. So you know what I thought? I thought, well, I can't wait till I get to be district manager. And Upperland had a job ad in the paper looking for a district manager for all their little shops inside Upperland Hotel. I said, that's for me. And I jumped to it. But I still wasn't happy. You could put yourselves there. What are you trying to do to find happiness? <clears throat> Can I tell you outside of the yoke of Jesus? you're not going to find it. You can have all the money in the world and you'd worry about losing it. You'd worry about somebody taking it. You'd worry about somebody taking advantage of you and cheating you out of all of it. And I'm not putting Bill Gates on any kind of pedestal, but When it comes to technology and computers and all that, he's the cat's meow. But guess what? He's getting a divorce. I know a lot of people get divorces. But finding fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ doesn't bring rest. Y'all, if we want rest, it's going to be through Jesus. I was about 55, 56 years old before I understood that. And now I ask the Lord, why did you wait so long, Lord, to let me see this? And you know what he told me? When I read this passage, he tells me because I wasn't humble enough and broken enough for him to let me see that. So you guys that are younger than I am, learn from an old fella. You can only find fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Getting, Getting in yoke with him. Let him lead. His yoke is easy. You know why? Because he's done all the work. Amen? Christianity is not about what I do. It's about what he's done. And when we get in yoke with Jesus, you know what we're going to discover? We're going to have a purpose to fulfill. Getting in yoke with Jesus gives you a purpose. Getting in yoke with Jesus Gives you a place to belong. I'm glad y'all are here today. Isn't it? Doesn't it bring rest to be part of God's family? I'm glad that when y'all are gone, I miss you. We're, we're glad that you're here. Being in yoke with Jesus gives you a task to complete. We'll talk more about this next week. If you don't know what that task is, come back next week. We're going to talk quite a bit about that. Jesus could have saved you and took you straight to heaven. That's where you're headed. He doesn't do that. He's got something for you to do here on earth. If you don't know what that is, come on back. We'll talk about that. But finally, to be in yoke with Jesus gives you a rest to enjoy. It doesn't make life any easier. We're still going to have struggles. And we're still going to have trials. And we're still going to have sickness and temptation and tragedy. And all of these things that happen to us. But at the end of the day. I can lay my head on my pillow at night and rest. Because I rest firmly and securely. In the yoke of Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sharing the heart of Jesus with us this morning. And I pray that as we meditate on these verses, I pray that we don't just close our Bibles and forget about them. But I pray that they would take root in our heart and help us understand the heart of Jesus. The fact that he is meek and lowly. and Help us be, learn gentleness. Help us learn humility. Our world needs that so much today, Father. And we know you call us to be different than the world. And you call us to be like Jesus. And I pray that we would be that way this morning. If there's someone here, Father, who is out of your will, out of your yoke, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them this morning. I pray that you would give them the courage to do to make whatever the next step is with you, I pray you would give them the courage to take that step. In Jesus' name, amen.